and COVID has tried to hamper our being able to get together, but we are able to be with the people that we love. And it makes this Christmas all the more important that we can be with people that we weren't able to be with last year. As we celebrate Christmas, there's another truth that I think is so, uh, so amazing for us to consider. It comes out of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 21. I'm reading from the NLT. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be a sin offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And then in Psalm 68 verse 6 it says, God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. You know, God is the one who created the family unit. We hear stories, don't we, of people at Christmas time reconciling with those that they've been estranged from from a long period of time. There's something tremendously good about reconciliation. And one of the things that uh, is really sad to see in the world is that we're seeing the opposite, aren't we? Our relationship with France is not very good. Our relationship with the EU is not very good. America's relationship with just about anybody is not very good. The Chinese relationship with the world is not very good. You look, with all these broken relationships, we have this message that today is about reconciliation. Why? Because God said many years ago, it is not good to be alone. Assemblies of God has this amazing strap line that says we are stronger together. I mean, we know that, don't we? I mean, maybe sometimes Michelle wishes that next door wasn't her family. But isn't it amazing that there is such a blessing that we are stronger together? We really are. You know, if you're part of an extended family, you should thank God for that. That is an amazing blessing. Maybe you think, well, I don't have the freedom that I want and I'm constantly here, there or everywhere. Let me tell you, if you're ever in a situation where you don't have that, you will think back and think that was an amazing blessing. God loves to bring people together. Now, sadly, mankind's behavior also means that in general, mankind has broken his relationship with God. Our disobedience, our sin, separates us from God. Isaiah, in uh, Isaiah 59 verse 2, he says this, It is your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will listen no more. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Today heralds in an amazing truth. If God's intention was just to punish was just to separate us, then today would never have happened. Jesus is a promise. He is the fulfillment of a promise. You see, God could have destroyed mankind 
And he could have done it in a moment, and he could have done it at the time that mankind went bad. He could have done it 6,000 years ago when Adam and Eve first sinned. He could have wiped out mankind right then and there. But you know what? He didn't. In fact, at that time, God made a promise. And his promise was this. He says, I will send a saviour into the world who will save you from your sins. The Saviour would take the punishment that we deserve for our wrongdoing. And what would he do? He would reconcile us to God. It's this amazing ministry of reconciliation. The first one ever to do this ministry of reconciliation was God himself. When Adam and Eve sinned, he worked this ministry of reconciliation. And that's what we celebrate today. That promise that was made thousands of years ago has been fulfilled. You know, I I hear across the internet and people have said to me over the years saying, where is this second coming of Jesus that has been promised? Where is it? Where is it? We don't see it, which is why we don't believe. And I say to people very often, you know, Jesus, uh, sorry, God made a promise that Jesus would come the first time And it took some 4,000 years for that to happen. But today, this day, is a promise that if Jesus came the first time, he will come a second time. It's been a mere 2,000 years. We might not think that that's a mere 2,000 years, but it's been a mere 2,000 years. Anybody reading the signs of the times knows that we are closer now than we have ever been. I mean, I saw something crazy in the news the other day. Anybody uh, read about the news that's going on in Sweden? Sweden have decided in their infinite wisdom to create a COVID pass in a small chip that you insert on the back of your hand. I mean, they're obviously not, you know, trying to canvas the Christian clientele because that has very, very bad connotations in the book of Revelation, the number 666 and everything else comes. But we are close, man, to even contemplate that people are putting things in the back of their hands for identity. And we know that everything that comes in is good when it first comes and then it's used for bad. You know, I remember the internet when it first came in, it was great. Now it's full of garbage. Really is. I remember when Facebook was first there, it was brilliant. I knew what everybody had for breakfast. But now it's full of adverts and, you know, clickbaiting and algorithms to addict you and on it goes. And so God waited 4,000 years to fulfill a promise. And it tells me this, God will fulfill every promise he's made. And today what we celebrate is a fulfillment of a promise and that is a foreshadowing that the other promise will also be fulfilled. The Bible tells us that God is not slow as some people see it. He does things at just the right time. And so God is interested in reconciling his relationship with you. Did you know that? God could have destroyed us But what we're celebrating today is God saying, I don't want to destroy you, but I want to have a loving relationship with you. 
Jesus is God's hand towards us. Jesus is the beginning, or this day is the beginning, of God's plan of salvation that leads us through to Easter. We celebrate today that God has made an effort to draw near to us. And we also remember that the birth of Jesus was only the beginning. It wasn't the end. You know, in the world, they have the little stables out. If they celebrate that, people go once a year. But you know, that was the beginning. It was the beginning of the promise. The promise was fulfilled. When you think about it in terms of the biblical narrative, Jesus came and then 33 and a half years later, the fulfillment came. Even there, there was a period of waiting. And so Jesus lived. And when Jesus lived, he taught people how to live and he taught people how to be reconciled to God. And Jesus made this amazing statement. He said, nobody can come to God my Father except through me. Did you know that that statement alone is for all the religions in the world the most offensive, bigoted, proud statement that exists? If Christians would remove that statement, they would be happy with Christianity. Why? Because it makes access to God exclusive. It's reading in the papers today or in, online today that New Zealand has done this exclusive visa for wealthy people. If you can promise to invest 10 million pounds or whatever it is into New Zealand, they will give you a visa to get in the country, but their own people can't get visas. Exclusivity. And actually, Jesus saying you can only come to the Father through me is also exclusive. It says that if you try to come to the Father through Allah or Buddha or Shiva or some of the Hindu gods or any other way, you are going to fail. Why is that? Because Jesus' birth led to his life. His life led to his death and his death led to his resurrection. But his death, as we read earlier, was an offering for sin. Those of you who've read the Old Testament, you'll know that in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice animal after animal. You know, you did not want to be a priest in the Old Testament. The Old Testament priest was like a butcher's shop gone mad. They had to kill animal after animal. Why? Because under the Old Testament law, the animals were a substitute for the wrong that they had done. But in the New Testament, we know that Jesus became our sacrifice. That Jesus' death meant that he has become a worthy sacrifice to remove our sin. And the reason Jesus can say, I am the only way to the Father, is because Allah did not die for your sins. Muhammad did not die for your sins. Nor did Buddha, nor did Shiva, nor did any other religion. There is none in these religions who will tell you, I have paid the price for your sin. And without sin being removed, it is impossible to please God. And so today, we see the beginning of something that leads on to something great, that Jesus will remove our sin through his 
sacrifice. How did he evidence that? By doing wonderful things. Jesus healed people. Jesus forgave their sin in healing them. Jesus cast out the demons and the devil and broke their power. And he died on the cross. He fed the masses. These are not the acts of a God who is looking to destroy people. They are the ones of one who is looking to save, one who is looking to pull out all the stops and make it a severe personal cost to be reconciled to his creation. God has made his promise. God has fulfilled his promise. Jesus has accomplished all that he set out to do. Now God has done all he can do. He has left the rest up to us. Why? Because God is not coercive. You know, God is not like the Chinese government that says you have to do this or we will imprison you. He's not like that. He is one who says, I make you an invitation. He throws out an invitation to the whole world, to good people, to bad people, no matter what walk of life or what position of life people come from, no matter what nation, what skin color, what heritage, what difficulties, what addictions, what problems, Jesus makes an invitation to all people. He makes them to little children, he makes them to the aged, and everybody in between. And he says this, If you will repent, if you will turn from your selfish life, if you will ask me for forgiveness, then I will forgive your sin and I will give you eternal life. It's an invitation. It doesn't happen automatically. And anyone accepting that invitation and anyone turning from sin to God, they receive a a gift greater than any gift that you will have today. It's called the gift of a new life. That new life embarks you on a new journey, one in which you become adopted into God's family with Christ at the head of that family. It's an eternal life, but it's an eternal life that starts on this earth through a relationship with Jesus. And what does he do? He keeps pouring in. He gives you internal strength and qualities. He changes your life so much that you become a force for good in the world that is around you and how our world needs those kind of people. So God has done it all. The rest is up to us. I wonder what you're going to do with what Jesus has done for you, with the invitation that he gives you. Let's bow our heads and pray for a moment this morning. Father, we thank you this morning that you have done all, that you have done everything possible to reconcile us to you. And I want to throw an invitation out to you this morning with all eyes closed. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never asked him to forgive you, or maybe you did it a long time ago, but it's lapsed, and you want to do that afresh this morning, then why don't you put your hand up as a sign for Jesus to see that you want him in your life? Why don't you do that now? If that is you making that decision, 
Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Father, I pray for those this morning that have raised their hand. Jesus says he will forgive your every sin that you have done. He will strengthen you. He will walk with you. He will never leave you alone. And Father, I want to pray a blessing upon those who've made that decision this morning. We're going to pray a short prayer together. Maybe we can all pray that together as an encouragement for those who are making that decision this morning. So I'm going to pray a line and then you say it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning that you have died for my sin. I confess my sin before you and I repent from it and I ask you for new life. I receive your forgiveness and I dedicate my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, Father, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for new life. We thank you and praise you for new life. And we ask that you'd be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.